When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Real GM Radio. I'm Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. My guest is the great Seth Partnow of The Athletic, of the Midrange Theory book, of Nerder She Wrote the podcast, and we have a really wide-ranging, fun conversation. Starts out at the top of the East, but we talk plenty about the Western Conference, different things that are giving us doubt about each of the teams, and where where things might be going from here, what we're going to focus on. One note I will say at the outset is that due to some latency issues, there were a couple times where we talked over each other. Um, we just one one person didn't know that the other person had stopped or had or had not stopped um, due to that latency. So apologies for that. I tried to clean up as much of it as I could. There will be some instances, particularly in the first 15 minutes, and then after that, it should be much better. So apologies for that. Also, this podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Use that CLNS50 code to tell them you came from us and to get a 50% welcome bonus. So you can check that out and podcast runs about an hour i hope you really enjoy it thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me danny it has been how long has it been i think it's been a fair amount of time actually um considering the amount that we discuss in various different forms that we haven't done it as a podcast. well i i I did i did call in with you i guess um which was fun talked about that at the trade deadline um that seems like a long time ago doesn't it it was like two weeks (laughs) it's been it's been a very wild stretch of time i want to start this with a basic question that isn't actually a basic question which is knowing what we know right now, who is the most likely team to win the Eastern Conference? Why are you asking? Because I don't know the answer and you're very intelligent and I thought maybe you would. Uh, yeah. We were, you know, part of this is coming off being sort of flummoxed off of the last two days where both the, the two of two of the supposed favorites uh, just got hammered um, in, in, you know, the Philly obviously getting getting you know well, molly whopped in the in the Ben Simmons return game and then um, then then Miami getting similarly drilled at home by by Phoenix the night before well, um, and and I'm happy you brought up at home because but not only did both these teams lose at home to these other teams they also lost to shorthanded versions of these other opponents you know like Chris Paul is of course still out right. and Ben Simmons is still out right I mean so yes but however the Jimmy Butler you you do have to say Jimmy Butler didn't oh yeah of course. Though I though it's funny when you get in these conversations. Oh, well, Miami hasn't been fully healthy. It's like, well, that's like we knew that. Like, you, first of all, guys on the Heat miss games. I think probably related to their like conditioning stuff. Um, but also, like they added old guys who tend to get injuries here and there. Um, and you know, that's we can we can put aside the the Lowry missing time for personal reasons. But even even so, you can you can. Oh my gosh, they've they've been missing Kyle Lowry for a bunch of the season, and Jimmy Butler for a bunch of the season, and Bam Adebayo for a bunch of the seasons. Like they they have a team of guys who gets hurt, so it's not like that. The well, you, like you you just can't fill in the when Miami is fully healthy and just assume that's a playoff thing because they have guys who get hurt. And that's that's sort of a known thing for a uh, relatively thin team in terms of guys who you really trust in the playoffs. So while you do have to mention that Jimmy Butler is out, that's not like it's not a get out of jail free card for him. For sure. And I think part of what has been such a lingering challenge for me here with especially the top four teams, then if we want to add in the Nets, though, I think their path is fundamentally different because they're going to be a lower seed. So wait, you know, like, the top four teams, who do you mean by the top four teams? Because <laughs> I don't think the top four teams in the East are, I don't think anyone thinks the top four teams in the East are. Yeah, the top yeah, four not standings. Yeah. What, what, so well, what 
I consider the four strongest teams in no particular order. That's kind of the point here is that they're not in a particular order. Yeah. Heat, Bucks, Sixers, Celtics. I think those are the four okay. the four best as playoff yeah. teams. You know, bet full strength Chicago will be a fun, interesting team. I don't think of them as having the same kind of ceiling and the same with the Cavs. Yeah, I think, and wraps, and, and especially Cavs with with Jared Allen. You know, sure, whatever's going to happen, like you know, they're at a certain point they've they've probably well passed the point of of too banged up to. Well, and and the and the other part of it, there are two long threads that I generally think are now the Cavs have defied my expectations at every point, but one is their offense is decidedly not versatile. You know, like they're they're doing it, and Darius Garland is amazing, but they're doing it in kind of one or two specific ways. They don't have that many other methods to attack. And then the other one is the general truism, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not, that young teams, especially teams where a vast majority of their players are making their first playoff appearance, they generally, you know, they don't do super well because it's a big adjustment. And Cleveland, in all likelihood, especially with this Jared Allen injury, the exception to that can be when one of those teams in their first visit has a really favorable first round matchup, like let's say you end up doing really well and you get you get a surprise two seed and then you get a, a more favorable one. That is the sort of thing that can happen. But Cleveland with Jared Allen being out, that's not that's not possible. Well, I, I mean, the, um, the other one is like having you know as good as Darius Garland has been this year, but having like an emergent superstar at sure. your first, you know, I, I mean, did, I mean, it, this, it, this is this is so long ago, but didn't did the Warriors just scare somebody their first year? in the playoffs or they actually first, won the first round series no they so the warriors the first time the warriors made the playoffs right, right. they faced the spurs and almost had a 2-0 lead on the road you know they almost won both of the first two games in san antonio they blew the second one and then they ended up losing the series in six okay but that could have you know and then the next year they beat denver right um that very well could have you know that, that that's kind of you think of that as a, a really interesting example of that also, well, no, I was going to say Dal- like De- the Luca Dallas team got close, but you know they got clo- they got closer second year than they did first year. Yeah, and that's, but those are still. I mean, you know, we're okay. Doncic and Curry versus Darius Garland. Like we're sure. we're not. It's it's not a fair comparison to Darius Garland, and that, that really denigrates what he's done this season. But he's not those guys. No, he isn't. And, and so part of what makes this exercise so challenging for me is all of those four teams, and you could honestly throw the Nets in here as well, because when they're at full strength, they're as good. They can be, well, we don't know what they are at full strength because they haven't been this iteration. But like all of them, there is a case for it. Like you can, okay, well, they, you know, like the Sixers, Joel Embiid and James Harden, you know, that combination might just be unguardable. You can't do anything two on two. They have enough support <laughs> well, players. Or, <laughs> or, or. And then, so you have those sorts of like affirmative cases for all of these franchises. But then you also have the reasons for pause, concern, or outright terror for all of them. And I, I'm used to a circumstance where for like one, there's one team I trust more or something like that. That might lead me a little bit to the Bucks, but well, they're a different team than they were last year too. Well, so here's, and, here's, here's the real thing is usually, you know, we, this is something, you know, uh, KP, Kevin Pelton and I like bang on this a lot is that, you know, the full season is the full season and, and your resume is, is, is not destiny, but it tells you a lot about a team with the big cap caveat that if there's like a major change in personnel somewhere in the season like some of the stuff early in the season doesn't really count now of those five teams with the exception of miami which we kind of just talked about none of them they're assuming like reasonable health in the playoff playoffs none of them have a reasonable season sample of what that team looks like so that's the other thing that makes it hard you think that is a phenomenal point and it's that and also like there isn't necessarily a prior season sample with any of these teams with the possible exception of the bucks yes and possible and and you know the Bucks minus Brooke Lopez. Do we think that 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 is a would they go in that top four to five group if they just they're just not like for whatever reason Brooke is not helpful, not healthy, not available, not effective? I kind of think they go they move more into the frisky and dangerous category than having enough to win three seven game series against these other teams. I don't know. Maybe that's I being think too. If you move them down, I would have to really think about I, that. I, so I would. You get. You, I would maybe put them in kind so of a separate group above some okay. some of those teams. Jordan. 
Nora and sorry. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say that, like, I think I would still have them above some of the other for like if we're putting like, let's say Chicago, because I, I think that they're the best suited to handle the inferior teams. Like they might be in a group by themselves if it's if it, if they're not in that top group. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think I mean, I think they would be maybe like friskier than the than the Bulls um, just because, you know, Giannis is better than DeMar DeRozan. Um, the hot take. Um, but <laughs> yeah, like if without without Lopez, like what do they do against Embiid? Who do they have to guard KD? Like do they have enough? <laughs> do they have enough well, shooting it, it, against it, Boston? Do they? You know all these all these things that you know. It's even the more up. it's even the more basic point of what is their best five and what other players are viable if you need something different. So obviously Giannis, Giannis Middleton, and Drew Holiday are out there, but then are you going to go super small with like Connaughton and Grayson Allen? Do you trust Bobby Portis in those circumstances? And Nate talks about this really well that especially in the later rounds of the playoffs, it's often about the severe of your weaknesses as well as the severity of your strengths, like if you're truly unguardable and all that. And so Bobby Portis has done better in this regular season than I expected, but do, do can he do that against the other teams we were just talking about? No, and even in last year's playoffs, there were series that were good Bobby Portis series and series that were bad Bobby Portis series. And, you know, there's a little bit of matchup dependency there. I'd like, I will say that, like, I think his probably biggest weakness might come against like a heavy pick and roll team. And that doesn't look like, aside from Philly, who they have, you know, other problems with anyway, doesn't seem like any of the top contenders are going to be like that, that heavy pick and roll. If you play drop coverage on us, you're in a, you're in a load of hurt. Like they're not, they're, they're not playing, they're, they're, they're not facing Trey Young. Like basically this is, right. is what that comes down to. Um, and this year's version of the Nets probably isn't that as much though. When, when they have Simmons, maybe they become so, so, but yeah. So it's that's a good, but still, like you're talking again. You're talking about okay, you got your three guys, and I would say in almost every matchup, assuming he's healthy, like Connaughton is a guy you pencil in as the fourth, both because I think he did very well in the playoffs last year, and like the level of of trust that you know Mike Budenholzer has in him, so he's gonna be out there um, until like proven otherwise. But then, then is it Grayson Allen? Is it George Hill? Is it Bobby Portis? Is it is it Javon Carter? Like there are- <laughs> is it is it is it Serge Ibaka with like some sort of pain killing injection Oof. administered every minute into his back? When when has a a one time very good center getting minutes when they shouldn't in 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 the postseason? When has that got wrong for anybody? Never, 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 never. I ne- I, I I and I mean there there have even been never super good centers that have gotten yeah. minutes in that. Hey, hey at least at least Philly solved their backup center pro. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, my, my brain goes to. I mean, if, for people. Who no, we're going. We, we, I mean, I know we're going. We're we're, tra- we're talking. You know, we're going all the way back. We're talking about Verjao in the seventeen finals. Yeah, exactly. About, yeah, like you know, we're talking about Dwight Howard last year in the in the second round. We're talking about yeah. you know, yeah, the the non Embiid minutes in that Raptors Sixers series yeah. a couple years ago. Yeah, like, these I are, mean, the yeah, non Embiid minutes in in Philly's playoff history, which are somehow even though they had that solved for most of the season, and like yes, you give up your backup center to go from Seth Curry to James Harden. But <laughs> that's all of a sudden the old the old weakness rears its head again. Right. And it's tale as old as time and they're Philly in that circumstance, it's so interesting. We brought up the idea of, well, like, who is who is the other person? And Philly has some, like, best five questions as well. I'm so thrilled with how Tyrese Maxey has played, and so that, that solves some of it. But it's like, for Philly, it's more the idea of when things are getting bad, do I trust that Doc Rivers will adjust and that he will make the right adjustment? And probably not. <laughs> Does, so Philly is, like, I don't, hmm. Do they have questions or do they have choices? I think they have more choices than the Bucks do, yeah, but I have that, questions I whether the they I'm will making. make the right choice. That, that, that's a fair point, but I think that they they like they are they are choices rather than questions, and there are there are plenty of wrong choices to be made. So maybe it's functionally the same problem, but like okay, well Whereas we need, we need a wing has def- questions. Yeah, we we need a wing defender. So okay, well Danny Green. Um, like what Danny Green has, or do we pick between Danny Green or Matisse Thibel? Um, you know, 
you can choose wrong there, but that's still a choice to be made. Sure. And then I would say Brooklyn, because of the structure of their roster and everything else, they have more questions than choices. They just don't. I mean, I, I was thinking about this in that game that they played. Was that one the one against? Oh, that was against the Celtics when they were closing with Dragic and was it Lamarcus? They had they had they, in crunch time. They had two players that were out there, and I'm like, I'm not even sure these guys should be in a playoff rotation. And one of those spots will be resolved by Ben Simmons, but, I mean, conceptually, theoretically. But, I I mean, that's a really weird question for them. And then the other team that's lingering, well, so so we struck by the other two, though, was this idea of questions, questions versus choices. How do you feel about Boston in that respect? I mean... I've been I, I think that that I've been I've been circling around why not Boston for a long time here um like I mm, they have they have some of both like their their question is do where do they get enough shooting but other than that they have they have options it seems like in many other possible matchups just the, the you know the the versatility that their top seven or so has defensively is gives them a lot of possible configurations like okay you have you have you have Tatum and Brown and Smart are on are in your in basically every meaningful lineup. Um, then who else? Well, you got Robert Williams, you got Al Horford, you got Grant Williams, you got Derek White. That's a lot of different ways you can put that that puzzle together. Agreed. And I might have Marcus Smart a little bit more tenuously. Just I mean, we can see how some of the teams approach it defensively. Like if they just let Marcus Smart shoot, maybe you want Derek White out there, and maybe the other team doesn't have that kind of perimeter threat. But almost everyone that's good enough does. I, I mean, I think that's. It's a similar thing to whether or not, you know, he's a better player also, but it's a similar thing to Pat Connaughton in um, sure. he will be out there. So, yeah, like, that, that's should, fair. Should yeah, be, it's, he, that, he that, we shouldn't we shouldn't think about whether he should because he will. Yeah. And that's that's totally fair. The last thing we haven't talked about, and this was always one of my big concerns about Miami was do they can they like they have different options for certain spots? Like, I don't think you unless it's the exactly the right opponent, you want to play Robinson and Hero together. It's just too much defensive limitations against let's say top four top six teams in the league like sure against another team that's why it's you know in the regular season we want to do it but so for them let's say the locked in jimmy jimmy bam kyle pj or does p i would say pj's in almost all the time maybe not all all the time maybe i mean shooting you know i think you know i i uh we were talking about this on nerder which came out today and it like struck me that uh, caleb martin is a really important player for them mm-hmm. this postseason mm-hmm. and caleb martin part of why i'm so excited about his potential fit here is because he does something different than a lot of the other guys like the, to an extent even though they succeed and fail in somewhat different ways hero robinson and Max Struess, all you're kind of going to use. You're not going to use them in the same way, but you're going to fill the same basic set of offensive and defensive yeah, responsibilities get, get some, with get them. Some, get some shot creation and hide them on the other end. Exactly, and and that's also why you generally won't have the luxury of playing two of them because that's a lot to cover up. And right. maybe against certain teams you can, but I don't think you can against like the Bucks or the Sixers or or the, I mean any the of the question, NBA finals. The question teams. is, given who who the Bucks might have out there, can you? You know, if maybe you, you know, you've, there's there's gonna there's a potential for there to be some hiders out there for depending on who's available for Milwaukee in certain lineups. Certainly, yeah, certain that, bench that's, lineups that's fair. for Milwaukee. Bench lineups, for sure. And I, I'm thinking more closing five, yeah. but yeah, you're right. You're right about that, for sure. And I'm so encouraged that Miami has players that have stepped into that, because, I mean, I had two big skepticisms for Miami going into this season. One was their half-court offense, especially in crunch time. That has not been resolved for me at all. The other one was functional depth optionality in both the regular season and for optionality in the regular season and optionality in key moments. And that one I do feel truly better on. I think that Caleb Martin, Struess, Gabe Vincent, who's had a really nice year, yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, Victor Oladipo. Okay, you start Probably to- not. You start to you start to count on Oladipo and Struess and Gabe Vincent like okay well, it's Vin, the, I don't think it's I'm, count I don't think it's count on I think it's like if they're doing well you can give them some time yeah um, as long as Lowry's available I think that's I, yeah, the threshold it's, that's very much need to see it to to believe that incidentally and, and pro- by the way that this this gets back to like I I just I, I flashed back to like how much of a sore thumb Grayson Allen was at time in last year's playoffs um and 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 was equating that to what we might see from you know what 
the stretches you might see from those kind of guys on Miami. And then I remembered that Grayson Allen is going to be prominently involved for Milwaukee, which, you know, brings us back full circle to to questions, not answers. Right. And the I mean, we talked about the different things for the Bucks, and Grayson Allen, who has been a consistent starter for them, was not in that. But it, it is a matter of trust. Uh, so he, he was he was he had some of the like the worst stretches of play that you know let's not undersell how how disastrous some of his stints were in in the in in like the play-in and playoffs yes. last year and i mean i think that's a big part of why the memphis front office sold low on him was just to take that club out of taylor jenkins's back can't start him at first base <sighs> <laughs> I'm, by the way, like, Mem- there are a number of these teams, but Memphis with Dylan Brooks is probably pretty high on my list. Having good seasons, but also getting somebody important back long enough before the playoffs that it might actually, you might actually get to see some stuff. Denver, I'm hoping Denver's in that camp. We, we don't have timelines yet on, on Murray and, and MPJ. I'm a little bit concerned. I, I'm thinking now that it's going to be more next year than this I, year. So can we, can we go there for a second or do we sure. are stuck on the East? Um No. Let's go. You know me. Um, getting Dylan Brooks back, is that we sure that's a good thing for them? No. Okay. All right. That's- I, I think – so I don't think of Dylan Brooks – tell me if this is a term you're not familiar with. I don't think of Dylan Brooks as a Pareto optimal like, fit with them, but I do think he's like maybe per- – he's preferred. Like he's, he's better, but he's not better at everything. And Dylan Brooks, his propensity for taking bad shots is – so much more relevant on a Memphis team that is all of a sudden re- like really good as opposed to a Memphis team that was feisty. Like those those standards and thresholds change so thoroughly once you move to an elevated level of play. So I don't know like this. So um, I used to like to go bowling, and you, there, there's sort of you know when as you loosen up, you maybe you have you have a beverage or two. Um, you start to bowl better maybe after after you know midway through your second beer. Um, at a certain point, it's too much and you fall off a cliff, and that sort of is is like there's a hard line where it becomes too much Dylan Brooks and it becomes a negative. And the question whether they have enough time over the rest of the season to reintegrate that to get like him attempting to be 80% of what he has been doing, which is most of the good stuff and not that last 20 kind of self-destructive bits where he's like, you know, fouling all the time and taking terrible pull-ups. And, you know, based on the fact that he was a great playoff performer last year, because he made all the terrible pull-ups last year, um, but not hasn't really done so for much of the rest of his career. And so that's that's sort of the worry, is whether they can actually, like, successfully cabin what is a useful player in the right dosage and a disastrous one in too high a dosage if they can if they can kind of keep that within sort of the acceptable range there is a second concern and i don't know how to reconcile this for memphis as a playoff team versus as a regular season team is that adding dylan brooks to the rotation shifts everything else too and some of that is taking minutes away from players that probably are not playoff performers but another part of it might be well this this changes things for melton this changes things i mean zaire williams hasn't been perfect but there have been some elements that have been encouraging there and i think he can it it, he can fit in in certain respects and so how much can you get to the tyus jones john morant backcourt yes exactly um when uh, and so all of those decisions that jenkins has to make it a jumble creates opportunities but it creates opportunities for good things and for bad things all the same (laughs) Chaos is a ladder. Oh, what a terrible show that turned out to be. Anyway, sorry. Um, (laughs) you, you, You made that pop into my head, so I had to share it with you. More with Seth Part now in a moment, but first a message from BetOnline.ag. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That 50 is because of that 50% welcome bonus and bet online is not just basketball they are your source for hockey boxing ufc plus olympic coverage is best in the business from sports right down to your vegas, favorite vegas casino games bet online is your number one online wagering destination it's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games bet online where the game starts 
Sorry, we were talking about the East. Let's get back to the East since we haven't solved that. How much faith do you have? So I, I talked about before that my big concern with Miami is their half-court offense, especially against good teams. Do you have the same concern or do you feel a little bit better about it than I do? Nope. I have. I share the same concern. Like, where does the spacing come from? You know, where does it, where does it, where does the spacing and shot creation come from against a playoff defense with a lineup that is that is going to play playoff defense? Like, you think about it. All right. Who are the the four guys that they think they're that they think they're most counting on to be their playoff stalwarts? It's Lowry, Butler, as you as you suggested, Tucker, Adebayo. Um, does Kyle Lowry have enough left to be a playoff to drive an offense in the half court against a second round plus playoff team? I like to think about this in terms of creating an advantage, and so it's like how many players do they have, especially factoring in playoff officiating so jimmy butler loses some of what what can help help him create advantages and and are you creating those advantages in a way that you can perpetuate them get the blender going as quinn snyder and the jazz usually say and that is a real concern as we're recording this podcast miami's offensive rating in clutch time which is considered the last five minutes and within the last five five or fewer points, their offensive rating is 100. 100 is the fourth worst offensive rating in clutch time. And I, the I, other so th- I, I, I want to be careful because while that's a stat that I like that that like plays into the narrative I'm trying to spin, I do think that like you know the sample is the sample is you know and, and sure I'm I'm very reticent to kind of get into stuff like that because also like clutch time is much more. It's not just the sample small, but the sample is biased. There's you know, run. There's there's more time running the shot clock down. There's more time yeah. need to take a three. There's more time fouling intentionally. There's so there's much more. There's many more. The, the much higher proportion of those, even that limited number of possessions, are sort of special teams plays, if you will. So. And and, oh, and, so, totally and, and it varies across. So like while that is a that is it would be a convenient stat for the the narrative. I think we both would like to, to tell. Sure. I, I do want to like I do think that you know. Um, so I, so I how about how about this one? Miami's off Miami's half court offensive rating when Kyle Lowry is on the floor, clean the glass filter is a little bit above league average. Yeah, that's and that and a little bit above league average and. Put that up against playoff defenses, second round playoff defenses. Is that good enough? Maybe if their defense is good enough. Like it's not. It's not an abomination, but it's like it's not a. Oh sure, they'll be fine. It puts them. It, I mean, it, it basically. I feel like it. It puts them in a very similar category as the Celtics, really, where it's like they're gonna. You know, they're gonna have to rely on like individual moxie and playmaking and shot making. Um and um. You know, Boston's pretty well equipped to do that too, with like similar and perhaps even with as played superior um, defensive personnel. It's jumping back to the West, but that made me think of there is going to be at least one and possibly more series that depend on Dallas's that swing entirely on Dallas's role players making or missing open three pointers. So, what do you got? What do you got for us, Maxi Kleba? <laughs> Maxi Kleba, DFS, Reggie Bullock, Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie. It it is it is going to be. Like uh, there, there are people who are like, who, 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 we could be like that. These players are going to decide a playoff series. Yes, they absolutely are because a lot of what. Well, okay, these defense pl- is these, about, these players often decide playoff series. We just don't like notice it. They as do. Much. Like, you know, it, yeah. it became more noticeable because he ended up scoring all those points. But if if that if the that uh, that um, Clippers Utah series plays out slightly differently, like Terrence Mann could have scored like nine points in a couple of those games and had a huge amount of success just because him making his first two corner threes when Utah's like game plan was to not rotate to him all of a sudden we have to change that and now like all of a sudden oh it's now it's now it's Marcus Morris getting those shots now it's Reggie Jackson getting open driving lanes now it's yeah all these other true. things so even if it's not directly just like you know this is this is a slight the very much a sliding doors thing is if in if in that game specifically if he misses his first two corner threes Instead of makes them, how different does that entire game play out? Because for a guy who is a um, reluctant shooter at times, you can see that becoming record, record scratch theater pretty quickly. Let's exclude the Nets from this for just a second. So let's. So we already said we defined the top four. I think we agreed on it as Miami, Milwaukee, Philly, and Boston in no particular order. Well, I mean, <laughs> I know it's just it's like, <laughs> can we really? I mean, it, it feels very weird. Even though like had them having to go, probably having to go through the play-in game, like it does feel kind of weird because you know, yes. They they have I mean I think they they have the guy who was the best player in the playoffs last year who is they back do. on the floor and is still pretty damn good in Kevin Durant. 
He was and good. Like, like, yeah, let's pause for a second. He was good last night against Philly. He, he's incredible. And Durant, the his uh, his ability to be able to do what he does against anyone is truly special. And the the Nets, I I could believe that they can beat anyone. Like, if if you were to tell me the Nets won a series against anyone, it would not for me. However, winning three, in this case, if we're talking about making it out of the Eastern Conference, or four, if we're talking about winning an NBA championship, series like that, especially when you are the road team in all of them, though, depending on certain requirements, that might actually be an advantage, um, that is just a lot to ask. And the Nets, they have have questions, not choices, in terms of the rest of the rotation. Like, I mean, they played better defensively last night, but generally speaking, I think there are going to be some real challenges there. And maybe I'm just not believing in, and Steve Nash and this coaching staff have more answers than I think they do. But in terms of personnel, it just, it just seems like it's going to be hard to, so hard to get all that. There. I think, I think that, that like, if they, if they get Simmons on the floor and engaged with them, like all of a sudden you've playoff Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons at, at either the three or four or the four or five uh, on defense. That is a, that is an elite playoff defensive pairing. Like you can, True. you you start there. You can do some things. So I think that is something that um, you know we're we're projecting a little bit ahead. But you know, like I don't think I don't think anyone realistically thinks that like getting nothing from Simmons may, makes the Nets. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of the of the the same thing with Brooke Lopez, right? We're we're kind of if when we're penciling in Brooklyn to this like contender level, we're assuming at least a decent contribution for Simmons. Yeah, that's fair. So I'll narrow the field then. Bulls. Cavs, Raptors, and then whichever team Hawks, Hornets, I think it's going to be the Hawks, makes it out of makes it out of that other spot, you know, makes it into the top 10. Which of that group, not knowing who they're going to face, do you think is the most interesting as a like potential upset team, like to to potentially pull one? Um, Hawks. It's, it's, you know, they I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Take over a series equity with Trey. And and they've like they're they've so underperformed their talent this year that you know it, it is lightning in a bottle for a couple weeks possible. Yeah, like I think that I, I don't think that like as they're going to be on the floor. I don't think the Cavs have a ton of equity. The Hornets make it in like they're going to give up 130 a game. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm shortchanging the Bulls a little bit just because we've sort of been at this like this this is a great regular season story in Chicago and and kind of move past it. But I still, I mean, well, let me flip it around to you. If you were one of those contending teams, would you rather play the Bulls? Like, not even caring about home court. Would you rather play the Bulls or the Hawks? I it would I, depend a little bit on personnel, but I think I'd rather play the Bulls. I think I think um, I think most teams when they're in our heart of hearts would would answer that. It's like okay, well, you know, yeah, they got some good players, but we can we can figure out we can figure some stuff out against them. And it's just like, well, if we figure out how to stop Trey, it's like, well, have have fun. The other note that I'll make is that it, another team that hasn't had it the whole time, but narrowing the field to just when Fred Van Fleet and Pascal Siakam play together, plus 4.3 cleaning the glass net rating for the Raptors. I don't think that's... I, plus 4.3 isn't good enough, I'd think, to put a charge into these best teams. Can, but Can you win a playoff series with six guys in, in today's NBA? I don't NBA? think so. I, I don't... I personally don't think so. I, I could... The Raptors, to me, it remind. It, I, I think of them and the Cavs similarly, where I'm get. I think I'll probably pick a longer series, but I don't think that they would be likely to win it. Like, does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, I, I, I think so. I think that. I mean, the. I, I think you you look at the Raptors and and you know we hate doing this, but like I think you say, well, the future is the future is really interesting. There, they add a couple couple things here and they can start to get really interesting. But they're not really like the, you know they're not really interesting yet. They they they, they it's sort of like they're good but do they have enough shooting or size it's like they're, so, they're they're light at sort of both ends of the spectrum what i find so fascinating about the raptors is that this has been a very it's been a different season in certain ways you know with availability and everything else but i genuinely feel that through a circuitous route they ended up in exactly the place that caused me to think they might do something different last offseason, which is their path to being a team that wins multiple rounds in the playoffs over the next three years, like, you know, winning multiple rounds in the same year is difficult. You know, that Siakam and Van Vliet are 27 at this point. This is their age 27 season. So you have to assume that they're at least close to where they're to their maximal. OG can still grow. Scotty Barnes is super young. Gary Trent can do that. But they're also at this point where they're not exactly assets. 
asset rich. They don't have a ton of spending power slash flexibility. And so the defining question for me with Masai a year ago was, and ownership, and this is in many ways an ownership decision, though he has so much pull with them that you think he could pull them in a direction should he want to, is how do you feel about that? You know, there there are different takes on how desirable it is to be a consistently good, but also not high championship equity franchise. And I'm guessing that they would prefer it on the idea that if you have the best general manager in the league, you have a very good coach, maybe you can get from there where arguably the Raptors were before 1819 to where they were in 1819. But how many times are you going to be able to get Kawhi Leonard? I mean, I think that they're, I think that they're pretty championship robust there. I don't think that they, like, I think you see it in how they, how they approached last season. That that they're gonna they're gonna try to do stuff um, now whether they succeed and and what the stuff to do is I don't know <laughs> maybe maybe with <laughs> I'm not, just, let me just uh, <laughs> since he's gonna be a free agent after next year maybe they make a run at Zion and see if they <laughs> <laughs> like do the do, like the first time is tragedy second time is farce kind of thing um, <laughs> like I, the, there's 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 no chance of that happening it just it just struck me as he was like sort of the the mo- the the most like the highest level possible and pending free agent next year. Yeah. I mean, I'm never going to put anything past Masai Ujiri. That's he, he, he has earned, he has earned that respect and he will have it for a long time. How, so we, we've spent a lot of time on the East here. Um, let's do, let's think a little bit about the Western conference and the, and the time that we have left. How much faith do you have like, I think I think the Suns are a fairly understood commodity. I would argue that the Jazz are. Do you think that there's something different? Like, has Donovan Mitchell taken enough of a step forward that you think about them differently as a playoff team? Nope. Um, I think I think that it's it, he, well, he has. It seems like the rest of the roster and like like Joe Ingles looked like he may have aged out of that this year anyway. But him yes. aging out is um, you know they still don't really have like who the, you know. The, the fact that 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 adding house might like meaningfully upgrade their their like perimeter defensive chops against top scores that like think the fact that you can say that says things um so you know and i just can they can they do anything resembling their their the style that makes them successful in the regular season in the postseason? We even when they've had success the last couple of years in the postseason, it's sort of been outside of their normal identity. And you know, um, Mitchell's not averse to going hero ball, um, which is you know. I'll pro- I imagine uh, uh, Ben Taylor and I are planning a home and home uh, podcast to, to discuss, among other things, Donovan Mitchell because I think we have very differing opinion- opinions of him. And my, um, I think that he can tend to short circuit them and sort of, while he individually kind of goes crazy, all of a sudden it's like, well, it's a good thing we have uh, Boyan Bogdanovich just standing in the corner doing nothing. Um, and so that's sort of the like all this other stuff that the Jazz have their resources invested in, the style they they tend to go to offensively in the playoff all of a sudden like kind of obviates that and i just don't i don't think that leaves them with enough the other huge ripple effect there is you brought up personnel is that utah has to to me because of the limited players that they're going to play defensively they have to score at a really high level not just at a you know, like a pretty good level because their their defense is going to give stuff up. And Rudy Gobert is amazing, but when you think about playing those top six teams in the NBA, like there you can't you can't really do it in the same way as you can against the bottom fifteen. And not every team is going to be the Jazz or be the Clippers and be just a horrendous matchup for what they want to do. But the odds that they face three favorable matchups in three rounds of the playoffs, you know, like to to win the West, that's really hard. And the Warriors are in a strange place because we haven't seen them at 100% at all, but I think we kind of understand what they are. And do, Well, do I do we? Like, Steph has been, like, this is, he's been shooting poorly for a long time. We don't, I don't think we have a, well, Clay has probably looked better physically than we might have expected. I don't know we, if we know what level he's at in terms of, like, playoff effectiveness at both ends of the floor. Um, so, this is a so Draymond me, question. Yeah. For for me, they're, what I mean by their know it is their high ceiling, low four. I think that relative oh. to other good teams. <laughs> we we like, <laughs> we know we know about them and that we don't know about them. <laughs> sort of. Well, the yeah. the idea that there there is more variance with the Warriors because of the way that they play. Yeah, you know, I, I think they'll I think they'll once they get their guys back, they'll defend it at a, at a pretty good level and. 
There's also the element that will be potentially relevant or not. We'll have to see. Is that I think a lot about the 2015 playoff run with this is that it generally takes Steve Kerr and the coaching staff a few games to figure out the optimal strategy as opposed to just starting there. And if they don't have a significant talent advantage like they have in a lot of series, that that could rear its head. I mean, it nearly did against OKC in 2016, where it took them a little bit of time to figure to figure everything out. And I mean, also OKC, you know, they played their part in that series going longer as well. But it, though, you know, so like if the Warriors are the three, and I would say knowing what we know right now, that's the more likely outcome, just because Memphis has an easier schedule and they have their they have their key guys other than Dylan Brooks, but they're doing fine without him. And so for the Warriors to me, being the six versus being the or being the two versus being the three makes a huge, huge difference. Just for having home court in that second round? For no, for having an easier first round matchup. Oh. Like well, I I think there's a chance that so, the Warriors like that the Warriors lose in the first round. So here's a here's, if they're the three. Here's here's an interesting thing that sort of came up yesterday. Um this may maybe this cuts either way. Um if you're the three seed, you know who you're playing for, you know, a week. If you're That's true. if you're the two seed, uh you have to be ready for you have to start getting ready for four different teams. But no, for two, if you're the two, because it's only the you can only face the seven. Oh yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. No, wait, is it the the one is hard, yeah, but right, you assume right. that they're yeah, no, how do you... It could because be, the play-in be, format could, is weird. It could be any of four teams with the one seed, that's right. Yes. No. Um, and and I, that in particular, like this this year in the East could be wild because some of those teams are very, very different. You know, like, oh, I, I mean, the possibility that... So it's Raptors, Nets, and Kyrie Irving can't play in Toronto, so then they get the eight seed, and they, they play and Philly then you're in the like, first round. <laughs> Congratulations yeah. or Miami? Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> you you uh, you had the best record in the conference. Here's Kevin Durant. And, Cheers. Yeah. And the other I, I talked about this a little bit with our mutual friend Jared Dubin uh, a couple weeks ago. This preliminarily, because the free agent class is so bad and because the league like the finances haven't all the way kicked in yet. In quote-unquote normal circumstances, this is looking like a pretty unremarkable offseason. Like, there aren't big free agents hitting. There are some extension decisions and that sort of thing. It looks like Jokic is basically already already done. Um, he wouldn't change teams now anyway. But the way that can change is it's not so much about how teams fare in the in the abstract. It's about how they fare relative to expectations. Well, not just and, not just how they how they like. It's more just not even relevant to expectations, but it's more like how it happens. Like yes, if, sure, if, that's uh, that's fair. You know, there's a lot of smoke about like Dame Lillard last summer, um, and how much like if that if they had just kind of lost a desultory six game series to Denver, maybe maybe not. If it if if that series hadn't pivoted on them. losing losing a game where Dame scores 9000 points and they still lose like that's like that's the kind of thing oh man I, I need some help like I think that like that more more even than the fact of the sixth game loss the manner of it um kind of led to a lot of I think the upheaval in Portland this year sure and that they they and far be it for Neil O'Shea to think that a team is better than his team is better and better constructed than they actually are like that's it, it allowed it allowed him to feed into those impulses which are not even impulses they're just how he is you hate to see it but in the east in, well the east in particular i was gonna say but then also that three through six in the west because i mean losing to a good team is certainly less painful than losing to a bad team but losing earlier so there there are going to be some reckonings that happen and then the other part of that we talked about the like so i think that's the, like especially in a year where the seedings are weird i think that's silly i know it doesn't doesn't change the fact that it's not going to be true but i just i think that's silly like oh and, you, you but, but that, that's that's the beauty of this in many ways is that the actors in this do not have to be rational. Whether we're talking about owners or general oh, managers know, know. or players, it's like it's. But it's like getting like say the Bucks had lost. Like somehow it would have been better if the Bucks had lost. Like they, the, the the brackets had worked out and they had played the Nets in the conference finals instead of the second round, and that's a more acceptable loss than like I'd, like that doesn't make any. You know, you're you're still playing against Kevin freaking Durant. So like yeah, if so so the so Brooklyn gets the eight seed and they they upset Miami or something like that. It's like well okay well yes we we won we lost in the first round but yeah we lost to a team that was like pretty sub, pretty obviously though subjectively like far better than an eight seed would be even though oh man a first round of 
defeat. That's disastrous. But like that's it, it, like I agree that, that that affects decision making, but I don't think it should. Like that's that's a much that, that, that's the kind of thing that like on the inside you're supposed to be able to like okay, well that's what that's what people are talking, but we're going to ignore that because we know better. But you brought you brought up sliding doors and then Damian Lillard separately before the other one that I was inspired on with that last year was the Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards had the 22nd best net rating last year, but technically made it into the playoffs. And if that didn't happen, does Bradley, you know, like, let's say they were this year, they were missing it again, as opposed to missing it for the first time in a row. Does Bradley Beal see it differently? Or or does he, is he just kind of in, is he, I've used the Thelma and Louise analogy before, is he's just riding off the cliff with them because that's what he wants. And if that's what he wants, more power to him. I, I was not expecting Thelma and Louise to enter this conversation, but there we are. There we are. Does that make him Brad Pitt in this? No. Okay. Um... I think it makes him. Yeah, I, 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 I can't. I'm, I'm not going to go there. Um, but those, because the the beauty of basketball is that there are so many. There are so many different decision makers, and what they prioritize doesn't have to be what we would. It does, and it doesn't have to even be what they would have done five years before. Like it can, they can make their decision, and sometimes they make wrong decisions. Like even wrong decisions for what they thought they wanted. Like that sort of thing. And you know, I. I Jeremy Grant is somebody who often comes to mind there where I applaud Jeremy Grant for owning what he what what he valued and I hope he's happy with it it seems like he is and if that the I talk about this with people in terms of the, like the colleges they choose is that the only mistake you can make is not is not being true to yourself and there's there's going to be some weird stuff that happens inspired by how these seasons end, and that is what is going to provide w- the intrigue that exists in the off season. No, I think that's right. I think we uh, roundabout way that I uh, we got there. I totally agree with you. I'll I'll end this with, with two basic questions. One is what teams, what players, what situations are you most interested in watching over the next couple weeks? So that's the this is the span right before like the final two week push. So like, what teams? What are you interested in? Um, obviously, the big one is wanting to see what what when and how Simmons gets on the floor for. Um, I mean, I think these are all sort of of a piece. Simmons getting back on the floor, it's Draymond getting back on the floor, it's Brook Lopez getting back on the floor. Um, those are those are the big ones. Um, the Celtics continue to to play this way is sort of uh, another big one. Um, especially you know offensively. I mean, I think that part of the reason why I'm I'm sort of been swooning over them is is we're in the midst of a very nice Jason Tatum run and. That's, yes. you know, um, you know, I, uh, it, it is easy to get caught up in the moment. Oh, he scored 132 points in his last four games, dot, dot, dot. Well, okay, come see me when he has a four-game stretch where he scores 85, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's no more than four games around the corner at any given time. So, um, it, 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 it so yeah, those are those are the things I'm looking for. Just like guys getting back on the court and seeing what they have, um, and especially also- if they can make it in the next two weeks, because then they'll have some time to get right before before things the the 16 starts. Sure, and also you know also our uh, you know as as always our focus is going to get pulled because you know we get to <laughs> excuse me we get to start thinking about the draft for the first time all year for some of us. Um, yes, that, yeah. that's very true. Um, this will probably be, just as a practical consideration, these these are probably the last two weeks that I'm going to watch the worst teams very closely. Like, I'm going to try to pick my spots because, A, some of them, which has already happened, are start to pull enough players that you can't you can't necessarily assess them well pour some out for josh hart for being sort of the the oh boy (laughs) for doing the for doing like the uh the um you know the will smith meme (laughs) yeah and for doing yeoman's work going into a non-guaranteed season is is always fun um though i think that will get picked up and then so so that's a shift so you know Getting watching more of Shea. That's going to be something Nate and I talk about in the 15 and 16 a couple days. And a few of those circumstances, because I know that the data points just get less, they get more scattered after that. And so, and, and some of it will also be just watching older film. And that I'll do probably starting around the second round of the playoffs. And the other question I wanted to ask you is knowing what we know right now, I'll let you pick one in the East and one in the West. It can be any round. What playoff series do you most want to see? You can, you can, as well, you can make it happen. However, you want. You don't have to pick how it happens. It's just what. What do you most want to see? I mean, doesn't everyone just want to see <laughs> uh, Sixers Nets just for just for the memes of nothing else? 
I mean that that's too easy. So I yeah, I, yeah. So we'll pick it. You can pick a second one there. I, I mean, I, at this point, I would sort of like to see uh, you know Boston Miami would be a real loser goes home match. You know, a loser leaves town match. Like we're 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 the only defensive grindy rock fight winner around these parts now. Um, um, I'd you know, I'd be very interested to see, uh, especially after the the plan last year. I'd be interested in, in a uh, in seven games of Memphis and Golden State. Yes, Memphis has done so well against the Warriors over the last few years. And I mean, the other one, I I guess it's it's probably too high in high but, in the sky. By the way, do, is, you, do you do you remember very early in the season when like it was like the first couple weeks of the season, the Bulls and the Knicks played each other like three times, and they were all like ludicrous games. Like, oh, I can't wait to see that in the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was just thinking about theoretically, even if they're not at full strength, this Denver team facing somebody that's like good but not ridiculous like i don't know that denver uh, I, the one that i've been circling in the east and the west suns warriors is kind of an obvious like that'd be a really high level series and all that but denver dallas is just uh, it's so it would just be so enticing for me of like you get to see luca in a much more against a much more favorable opponent for him individually offensively but also just how do they want to defend Jokic, the all those different elements but we also don't know what iteration of the nuggets we're going to get but mavs mavs nuggets mavs i mean we, nate and i just did it for the for the nba strategy mavs jazz pretty interesting as well um but yeah i would say probably suns warriors grizzlies warriors are by I'm, I, right now i gotta be honest i'm good on the jazz in the playoffs right now i don't i don't you know i they, they show me something different and then i'll 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 be back like I'll, i'm gonna watch the games of course but it's just like in terms of what i feel like i really need to see maybe not that one yeah that that's totally fair thank you so much for taking the time absolutely it was fun as always um we as we look back over this pod we, we as usual took the, uh, the, the 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 scenic route to get to where we went absolutely wouldn't have it any other way all right thanks Lydani. Thanks again to Seth Partnow for taking the time to come on. You can read his excellent work at The Athletic. You can read his excellent book, The Midrange Theory, which is available, and I'm reading it right now. It is fantastic. I could not recommend it more highly for where I am, but I'm pretty sure the whole thing will be that good as well. You can also check out the Nerdishy Wrote podcast and follow him on Twitter at Seth Partnow, S-E-T-H-P-A-R-T-N-O-W. Love having him on and getting that perspective. And yeah, we're getting closer to the stretch run, so I'm, I'm super excited about that and to see where all of this goes if you want to support the podcast there are a lot of different ways you can do it you can subscribe download every episode that is particularly great for real gm radio because it will never come out on a specific day or time it's just going to be my availability guest availability so subscribing whatever podcast player you use that's great you can also help other people find the show through ratings reviews or social media really do appreciate that as well and the single most important thing for this show and any other that has them is to check out our sponsors for us, that is bet online. Use that CLNS50 code to both tell them that you came from us, but more importantly for you to get a 50% welcome bonus, which is really, really cool. You can also check out my other endeavors, Dunked On and Dunked On Prime going incredibly strong. Nate and I are doing five, sometimes five plus episodes in a week. I think that's going to be very common in the playoffs as well. We just did our small forward positional rankings, which was a fascinating conversation and gamers and 15s and 60 and all that kind of stuff. I guess I've now made that the portal of it, which I enjoy, 15s and 60. I like it better. It's like attorneys general. And the NBA strategy stream, which is Nate and I broadcasting games on League Pass, that is going to continue for Mondays for the rest of the regular season. And we have Clippers Cavs as the game for this coming Monday, which should be a lot of fun. Then my written work is at The Athletic. Don't have a ton in the offing now, but I have a couple ideas that need to turn in pieces. I'm a little bit jealous of Keith Smith. I was work I was working in my head on a Zion piece, and then he wrote the exact piece that I intended to write and did a super good job. So you should check that out if you haven't already. And I'm sure I'll have stuff soon. I have a couple ideas. I just need to actually put digital pen to digital paper and, and start getting working on that. If you have any feedback on the show, good, bad, or indifferent, Danny LaRue, NBA at gmail.com is the way to get it to me. If you take the time to write it, I will take the time to read it. That is an absolute promise. I will try to respond, but I'm not the greatest at that. So the promise is to read it. And that's why I consider it feedback in that sense, not a necessarily a dialogue, though at times it is, of course. And that is all for now. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. Thank you.